morning, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. And today we're back discussing crypto. It's infrastructure week. I believe that's become a meme in Washington, D.C., because infrastructure never gets discussed. It always gets put on the back burner, but appears as if it appears as if the Senate is going forward with an infrastructure bill. And the House will, of course, follow that up with a bill based upon reconciliation with all the stuff that didn't get into the original infrastructure bill that they want. So what does that mean for crypto? Well, we've been discussing crypto a lot, and one of the catchphrases of our show is uh, keep on talking, but listen more than you talk and try to understand what's being said. And I think maybe I might be possibly starting to wrap my head a little bit around this whole crypto thing. (laughs) And I understand that in order to finance a chunk of this infrastructure bill, they're putting their hands in the crypto piggy bank. Is that the impression that you get? And how are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing quite well, uh, David. And uh, yeah, here we are, Sons of Sequoia. Again, 104th episode. We're doing well. And uh, the cryptocurrency and the infrastructure bill are being combined somehow. And it seems like this bill that they're passing or the bills that they're trying to pass. And it's just fascinating. And I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Yes, we'll be using a uh, article from TechCrunch. And this article came out on Friday. And of course, over the weekend, they worked over the weekend. And so a lot of this article is moot because I believe that I saw on Twitter last night, they're moving forward without either of the two amendments discussed in the article. So they're moving forward with the original language of the bill. Now, it's also important to note that the way that Congress works is that these bills have to go through reconciliation or conference committee um, with the House, and amendments could be offered at that point. And so just because the Senate is choosing not to adopt either of these amendments proposed in this article doesn't mean that this will be the bill that becomes law there is a chance that they may do something to ameliorate what I think would be very damaging consequences to the crypto markets just because of what the bill proposes. I mean, it's proposing that everyone that's basically involved in trading uh, crypto or developing technologies around crypto will have to register as a broker and collect 1099s from all their uh, potential clients. But some people involved in the blockchain and in the crypto space, they don't even know who their clients are, or, you know, it's, it's very difficult. So it's, uh, essentially the worry is that it would kill crypto through regulation. And that was always a sort of Damocles hanging over the head of crypto was, um, yes, it's a good place to be a dev. It's a good place to be an investor. Um, but regulation could always come in and sort of scoop that all up at any day. And that day may be soon, but I think I would like to point out just real quickly, and this is the article we'll be looking at, Crypto Community Slams Disastrous New Amendment to Biden's Big Infrastructure Bill. Um, But the crypto market, or at least Bitcoin to USD, which is sort of an analog for the market as a whole, isn't really responding. Um, You know, things... The crypto market itself is extraordinarily volatile. And on this news and on the Senate's decision over the weekend to go forward with an unamended version of the bill, which is also bad for crypto, 
the markets aren't responding. So I think it's fascinating that the crypto markets sell go up or down 30% when a stiff breeze blows on them, but they're not responding to this. Which makes you, well, first of all, David, uh, here at Sons of Sequoia, as you said in our podcast called Sons of Sequoia, we keep saying, keep on talking and listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying. But that last part, trying to understand what the other person is saying, uh, I'm trying to wrap my head around how cryptocurrency in itself and blockchain is is difficult to understand to begin with and then you bring in the politics of this uh this bill and then you bring in amendments to the bill that are that are going to looking at proof of stake and proof of uh, uh work it becomes very complicated mm-hmm. very complicated and i think at this point that everyone needs to be very careful and start thinking and listening more than they talk and listen to what other person is other people are saying in the crypto field in the blockchain field in politics in finance and everywhere because it's not just one dimension there's multiple things going on and uh and uh the uh and also then you have your infrastructure bill mm-hmm. and then you have how, how congress works as you've already uh, that's kind of your area and so i think this is a fascinating subject and it's an important subject, and we really should talk about it, but also listen to what everyone is saying about it. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that the from TechCrunch, I will go to the, it's a Taylor Hatmaker. He is the author of this article. And the crypto community slams disastrous new amendment to Biden's big infrastructure bill. That's the big headline. However, I would argue that the bill itself isn't particularly great, and um, and that's one thing that they're slamming. So, oh, I forgot to get you in the other shot. Oh, well, I will just go without it before we start. Um, so, shall we get into the article real quick? Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, Taylor Hatmaker's TechCrunch article, Biden's major bipartisan infrastructure plan struck a rare chord of cooperation between Republicans and Democrats, but changes it proposes to cryptocurrency regulations are tripping up the bill. The administration intends to pay for $28 billion of its planned infrastructure spending by tightening tax compliance within the historically under-regulated arena of digital currency. That's why cryptocurrency is popping up in a bill that's mostly about rebuilding bridges and roads. The legislation's vocal critics argue that the bill's efforts to do so is slapdash, particularly a bit that would declare anyone responsible for and regularly providing any service effectuating transfers of digital assets to be a broker, subject to tax reporting requirements. While that definition might be more straightforward in a traditional corner of finance, it could force cryptocurrency developers, companies, and even anyone mining digital currencies to somehow collect and report information on users, something that by design isn't even possible in a decentralized financial system. And now, a new amendment to the critical spending package is threatening to make matters even worse. Bum, bum, (laughs) bum. Yeah. And I want to point out again, that paragraph uh, that you just ended with there, not the last sentence, but the last paragraph, you have cryptocurrencies, you have the blockchain, you have decentralized financial systems, you have financial systems, you have the politics. Uh, I mean, how many things are coming together at once 
and it's challenging just to wrap your head around each one of them on how they connect with each of the other. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and, it, and it's very challenging, very challenging. But uh, I also want to add that it's real, it's happening, and it could affect a lot of different, a lot of different areas. Now, let me ask you, David, uh, since the financial market, the financial, uh, uh, looking at the financial impact, normal financial impact of markets, and how this announcement really hasn't affected the, the cryptocurrency at all, does that mean that they're disengaged or they're not correlated? Or uh, what are the implications that there is no movement on the uh, uh, crypto exchanges? I don't know. I think that's a fantastic question because I feel like, and of course, this is just my personal feeling, that this should strike fear into the hearts of the markets, the crypto markets. But that's maybe not how the crypto markets work. And we've seen yeah. Bitcoin or Ether take a 15 or 20% dive in a day, in a single day, based upon rumor and speculation and innuendo of this trader wants to do this, or Elon Musk tweeted out a single word, and now Bitcoin's up 10%. I think that maybe those invested in the market aren't really looking at the regulatory environment in Congress, or maybe they're saying, Congress, of course, we're going to get into the amendments, which of course were thrown aside, but the Wyden Amendment, I think, and the Toomey Amendment, that would be better than the bill as written. And then the Warner Amendment would, I think, be worse because he's sort of picking winners and losers. That's just the impression the article gave me anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that the crypto community is saying, well, there's no need to fear now. Let's hold on and wait until it goes to conference committee. Let's see if they add any amendments to the bill in the House. Let's see if they ameliorate this, because this only affects us once it becomes law. And it's just passing the Senate now. We don't like the version, but it's not like if the Senate votes 60 to 40, and this passes the Senate, it becomes law. So let's wait and see. Is that why you think it hasn't affected the markets? Well, I don't know. Uh, it's a very, it's a good perception, a good, good argument. Or another argument would be the cryptocurrency based on blockchain is disengaged from any type of accountability. And so they really don't care what the government says because there's no way to enforce it. That's true. Because of the design, the design of cryptocurrency is that they can say whatever they want to say. Uh, it's kind of like, yeah, they can make their laws, but let's see you enforce the laws because mm-hmm. I don't even know who my customers are. It's 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 a distributed ledger. It's it's uh, the way it's set up is to disengage yourself from some central location, some some central uh, uh, control, uh, which could mean the government. They have no way of of uh, policing it or controlling it. And that's what. I think that the first paragraph said, um, in there somewhere, you're right. Right here. Well, that definition, so the, the bill wants to declare anyone responsible for and regularly providing any service effectuating transfers of digital assets to be a broker. And then they would be required to do tax reporting requirements like a traditional securities broker. And, of course, the author does well to point out, well, 
That definition might be more straightforward in a traditional corner of finance. It could force cryptocurrency developers, companies, and even anyone mining digital currency to somehow collect and report information on users, something that by design isn't even possible in a decentralized financial system. So like you're saying, they're saying, this bill is Looney Tunes. It, it completely misunderstands our industry. There's no way they'd ever be able to implement it. So why should we let it affect the market? And if that's true, if that's true, then that the implication to me is that the lawmakers and who get information from our financial uh, uh, financial advisors, they don't understand cryptocurrencies. No, <laughs> they don't understand it either. And so the because the, it's not the same as a financial market. It, it's it's separate. At least that's the impression I get. I'm mm -hmm. not an expert in it, but that's what I keep hearing. And that's what the the experts on the both sides say. We have a financial side and you have the cryptocurrency side, and they're not the same. They're regulated differently and they run differently. And so maybe uh, the lawmakers really don't understand. It says, well, they see the prediction of very large amounts of money. And so therefore, let's tax it. Well, you can only tax things you have control over. And the way it's designed is that it doesn't have control over it. So it's an interesting, very interesting uh, confrontation between our system and the new system that cryptocurrency is based on. Yes, I think the government has done a good job of always finding a way to tax stuff. Um, sneaking in the tax in this infrastructure bill, this may not be the way, but it might be their first salvo. They're going to find a way to extract value for the U.S. government from the crypto market somehow, right? And if this doesn't work, they're going to keep on trying. They'll keep writing it into legislation. And we're going to go into the next section of the article okay. where they discuss who's against this. And I think that you'll be – I'll point out who's not against it after we read this section, okay? Okay, unintended consequences. In a joint letter about the bill's text, Square, Coinbase, Ribbit Capital, and other stakeholders warned of financial surveillance and unintended impacts for cryptocurrency miners and developers. The Electronic Frontier Foundation and Fight for the Future, two privacy-minded digital rights organizations, also slammed the bill. We stand with Square, Ribbit Capital, Coin Center, and Blockchain Association about the digital asset provision and the infrastructure bill. We applaud Senator Wyden, Senator Loomis, and Senator Toomey in proposing a thoughtful amendment to get the tech right. Read our official statement. That is from Coinbase News. So if you want to follow Coinbase News on Twitter, you can read their official statement. I'll just skip it here. Following the outcry from the crypto community, a pair of influential senators proposed an amendment to clarify the new reporting rules. Finance Committee Chairman Ron Wyden pushed back against the bill, proposing an amendment with fellow Finance Committee member Pat Toomey that would modify the bill's language. The amendment would establish that the new reporting does not apply to individuals developing blockchain technology, and wallets, removing some of the bill's ambiguity on the issue. By clarifying the definition of broker, our amendment will ensure non-financial intermediaries like miners, network validators, and other service providers, many of whom don't even have personal identifying information needed to file a 1099 with the IRS, are not subject to the reporting requirements specified in the bipartisan infrastructure package, Toomey said. Then a Wyoming Senator Cynthia Lummis also threw her support as did Colorado Governor Jared Polis. 
Okay, so looking at that, and that's the one that the tech industry, the crypto individuals in the crypto space, like Coinbase supports. Um, Square, Coinbase, Ribbit Capital. Uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation, Fight the Future. That's who we've heard. Um, oh, and then we look at the Coinbase tweet. Coin Center, Blockchain Association, Square, Ribbit Capital. So what do those five or six supporters of the amendment have in common? <laughs> oh, it's a quiz. Okay. Um, well, it sounds like they're trying, they're for the bill. They're for some kind of a bill moving forward. That's one thing they're trying to do. They're trying to help it come together and try to have a solution. Uh, they're in the in the cryptocurrency arena. They're tech. They're tech companies. They're not the Goldman tech, Sachs. They're, tech they're not JP oh. Morgan. They're not uh, Chase Bank. They're not an investment bank. They're not a private equity firm. They're tech-based financial services providers, and many of them operating in the blockchain. I think Square operates in the blockchain too, but Coinbase certainly does. Blockchain Association certainly does. So. They're Good saying, point. this doesn't work with our space. The question is, who is pushing the legislation against crypto? And my guess is, the biggest adversary, and I don't have any proof of this, I'm just guessing. is you're asking, you're asking the question. I'm asking the question, but people do this all the time, and they say, I'm just asking a question. Wouldn't it benefit traditional financial institutions to push legislation that sort of hobbles a lot of the benefits of crypto, which is its decentralized platform, um, you know, to sort of say, oh, everything that's good about it, everything that's a feature that we don't have, deregulate that, regulate that out of existence. Now, you could say you're just asking, asking the question, but I am not. I'm guessing. I'm saying I think that there might be something here, but I don't have any proof. So I think people say that they're asking the question so that they can float their assumptions without any liability. So I'm just asking the question, who do you think is behind this? Because in the broader context of an infrastructure bill, um, the Treasury issues the money, the money has to get out into the marketplace and to contractors that are developing roads and bridges and um, water infrastructure and wastewater infrastructure and um, you know power grid infrastructure, and that will be done through traditional financial institutions. So they stand to benefit a lot from this, but why not take the W on, you know, being the intermediary between the federal government and these contractors that are getting the job done and, and sort of put your hand in the cookie jar one more time and sort of use the legislation to sort of trip up an industry that poses an existential threat to you over the next 30 or 40 years. So I think that they might, they might, I'm wondering, I'm asking the question. Is it possible that traditional financial institutions are behind some of these provisions? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I guess another tact that's very popular today is, well, you know, they say they are. I've heard. I've heard they are. Where do you hear that? In my own thoughts. I heard from my own thoughts that this yeah. is a possibility. No, I've heard it. They say. Who's they? They say. I've heard that. Everyone's saying words, it. Yeah, everyone. So that's a tact that's been used too uh, to bring up uh, issues, whether they're whether they're true or not. 
So I, I think your points are very well taken, David. It's a fascinating subject, and uh, it's it, this is a kind of subject that there's no easy answer, uh, at least not to me. But because there's no easy answer, because it's real, because there's definite impact, you need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And you need to attack it straight on, address it, not attack it, address it straight on, talk about it, listen, and come together and bring our minds together. There are experts in the tech, in the tech area and in the blockchain area and in the cryptocurrency area, and there they are. So they understand they understand uh, the the uh, the area, okay. Uh, and then you have the financial area, and then you have the politics, and then you have the implications on how they come together. I don't know. Like you're saying, uh, there's got to there's got to be a coming together to move forward. Where I guess in America, in the United States of America, a free country, a country of we the people. When we come together, we try to come together to help each other. We don't come together to pat our own pockets. Yeah. Although, I don't, I mean, that's very idealistic. But you could say, uh, and I'm just putting this out there. I'm not saying this is what it is, but it's like, <laughs> uh, the crypto companies are saying, you fundamentally misunderstand the technology. And I think that some of these senators... If they were being completely honest, they would say, listen, understanding or not understanding the technology is not the point. I understand that the people that funded my campaign and that put me into this position are telling me to put this into the bill. So whether or not I understand the technology is irrelevant. The people that sort of put my ass in this seat are telling me to do this. And it doesn't matter whether or not I understand the technology. There could be something to that. Let me ask you a question then. Suppose a bill did go through and all of a sudden these people are starting to get taxed. Mm -hmm. What would keep these organizations just moving to another country? Uh, well, I think you lose the U.S. market, right? You can, you can still do business in the U.S. market, but everything is done, say, in Canada. Um, in other words, all the technology is in Canada, then. Uh, they are a ca Canadian company. I don't know. Why, doing... do, why do you think J.P. Morgan and um, uh, Goldman Sachs, why are they in New York? Why don't, they move, their... to, why don't they move to Canada? Because it was to their benefit to be here. But what, if it's not, they. I, I'm just asking the question. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand about cryptocurrencies, is that uh, uh, the actual mechanism can be anywhere? I mean, when we did, when we looked at uh, cryptocurrencies and everything, and and Bitcoin uh, and the different altcoins, even uh, it could be done anywhere in the United States, mm -hmm. anywhere in the world. At least that's my understanding. Again, I don't know that much about it, but I did see them all over the world. This is not just local. This is global. Yeah. I mean, and if it's a digital gold, think of Rapunzel, you know? She's spinning her hair into gold. Is that what she did? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm sure that the government said, hey, you're spinning your hair into gold. Um, you have to pay taxes on that gold. And so Rapunzel had to pay taxes. But what if Rapunzel was spinning her digital hair into digital gold? 
And she said, oh, I'm not doing it here in this tower. I'm doing it in the Cayman Islands. So the Cayman Islands are the ones who could tax me, like because the, the transaction processing itself is in the Cayman Islands. So that, that's what you're saying. Since you can yeah. say it's wherever you want, it, like, yeah, you might be in Nebraska, but your cryptocurrency trading company is in the Cayman Islands or, or Panama. You know, you're a legally registered entity in Panama and your servers are in Panama. And so they can't charge you taxes just like they can't charge, you know, Bobby Panama taxes for running a corner store on the streets of Panama City. I have another question, David, that I don't understand. Uh, from what from what we've been talking about in the podcast is that uh, this uh, crypto, uh, the cryptocurrency, and they're talking about millions and billions and trillions of dollars mm -hmm. uh, uh, in the future. Well, trillions is a lot of money. When you have that much money, what would keep, uh, I don't know how to ask this question, but uh, maybe you can help me. When you have that much money, what would keep uh, a consortium of cryptocurrency organizations coming together and creating their own country? I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I never thought of it, but, but. If finance, if the finance is so critical, then why couldn't you have a, a, a protectorate somewhere and they rule their rule themselves? Mm -hmm. Because then you can trade all over the world. Wait, let's see where the current crypto havens are. Yeah. Uh, there's, of course. Can Taiwan become Asia's crypto haven? IRS is coming for crypto investors who haven't paid taxes. 15 crypto-friendly tax havens. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. And tax havens, cryptocurrency income, is free from a myriad of taxes. Uh, founded in heavily regulated nations like the U.S. Many tax havens like Malta, Singapore, and the Cayman Islands have embraced blockchains, making it easier mm -hmm. for crypto natives. Leading tax havens for crypto traders. Are you ready for them? Barbados. Oh. <laughs> Belarus. Bermuda. Bermuda. The British Virgin Islands. The Cayman Islands. Germany. Germany and Hong Kong. Because it looks like in Germany, you do not have to pay taxes on gains you make with investments in Bitcoins. If held for more than one year. Hong Kong. Now with uh, China's, I don't know how old this article is, with China's annexation of Hong Kong, that may not last for a long time. Yeah. Malaysia, Malta, Portugal, and Puerto Rico. I knew Puerto Rico was when I'd heard of this. Yeah, there we go. Oh, wow. Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory, but it's considered a foreign country for U.S. federal income taxes. There you go. Puerto Rico has zero capital gains tax and only a 4% income tax rate. Wow. The act was established in 2012 to promote high net worth individuals to relocate. 
yeah, move to Puerto Rico and pay zero taxes on crypto. Yep, Switzerland, so, Slo- Slovenia, a.k.a. Melania's home country, Singapore, the Seychelles, that's about it. So there are tax I, havens, like you're saying. Yeah, but my point is, go to a tax haven that's already a government, that's already there, but if you're going to start creating, uh, and, and you have many of the, the haven attracts many different uh, types of entrepreneurs in this, in this area, that the, the actual amount of dollars there or wh- whatever currency there are uh, that they use there is going to get in the trillions. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a cash strapped nation like, well, let's take a Central American nation like El Salvador or Panama. Or an African, an African nation. Or Honduras. Yeah. But you go and you say, can I annex? Can I pay you $100 billion? And... I annex, you know, part of your country, and then I turn it into Bitcoin land, my own sovereign nation. Now, the question is, would you need to have security forces? Would you, could you register with the UN? And, it's, and if it's just a country that's designed to evade international taxation schemes, it's like, why wouldn't you just use the Cayman Islands? It already exists. Why not? Yeah. <clears throat> But the point is, when you have that much money, it opens different doors. Yes. And, and so you have to think about, well, wait a minute. Uh, you can start taxing, but your tax, the government, U.S. government, start, they wouldn't want to tax that because they're looking at the money. But the thing of it is, is that when that money grows so fast, and it is, well, that money carries with it power. Mm-hmm. And so if you start taxation without representation, you're going to have a crypto uh, tea party. Yeah, I think that a lot of crypto is already <laughs> already like highly libertarian. Just they are very um, libertarian type people. And the thing is, the funny thing to me is they're libertarian, but what do they use to justify their libertarianism? The gains they made from crypto. And what did they use... <laughs> to make the gains from crypto, the internet, and how is the internet built with government funding? You know, <laughs> so they're only libertarian so far as it applies directly to their situation. Any sort of step back and think about, you know, if if it wasn't for DARPA funding, if it wasn't for the, the internet, would never be a thing, and they couldn't say, oh, we don't want regulation. It's like, well, if it wasn't for government money going into government programs, you wouldn't have an inter- internet to make money off of. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um. So I think that anyway. liberty. Yeah, should we finish uh, the second? Yeah, finish. I mean, this is sort of moot because we heard that both of these amendments were discarded and the original language of the bill went through. But this is this amendment, the Warner and Portman Amendment, which I believe is confusing because the other guy's name is Wyden. And so Wyden and Warner sort of sound familiar. But the Warner one is the one that I believe that our author, whose name, again, is Taylor Hatmaker, said is threatening to make matters even worse in the opening uh, section. 
So this is why he thinks the Warner Amendment is threatening to make matters worse. The drama, right. picking winners and losers is the name of the se section. The drama doesn't stop there. With negotiations around the bill ongoing, the text could be finalized over the weekend. A pair of senators proposed a competing amendment that isn't winning any fans in the crypto community. That amendment from Senator Rob Portman and Mark Warner would exempt traditional cryptocurrency miners who participate in energy-intensive proof-of-work systems from new financial reporting requirements, while keeping those rules in place for those using proof-of-stake systems. Portman worked with the Treasury Department to author the cryptocurrency portion of the bill of the, of the original infra infrastructure bill. Uh, we have a tweet here from some guy, Jerry Brito, not even verified. Wow, Senator Warren and Portman are proposing a last-minute amendment competing with the Wyden-Loomis-Toomey amendment. It is disastrous. It only excludes proof-of-work binding. It does nothing for software devs. Ridiculous. Um, rather than requiring an investment in computing hardware and energy bills capable of solving increasingly complex math problems, proof-of-stake systems rely on participants taking a financial stake in a given project, locking away some of the cryptocurrency to generate new coins. Proof-of-stake is emerging as an attractive climate-friendly uh, climate alternative that could reduce the need for heavy computing and huge amounts of energy required for proof-of-work mining. That makes it all the more puzzling that the latest amendment would specifically let proof-of-work mining off the hook. Some popular digital currencies like Cardano are already built on proof-of-stake. Ethereum, the second biggest cryptocurrency, is in the process of migrating from a proof-of-work system to a proof-of-stake to help scale down its system and reduce fees. Bitcoin is the most notable digital currency that relies on proof of work. The Warner-Portman Amendment is being touted as a compromise, but it's not really halfway between the Wyden-Toomey Amendment and the existing bill. It just introduces new problems that many crypto advocates view as fresh existential threat to their work. Prominent members of the crypto community, including Square founder and Bitcoin booster Jack Dorsey, have thrown their support behind the Wyden, Loomis, and Toomey Amendment while slamming the second proposal as misguided and damaging. The executive director of Coin Center, a crypto think tank, called the Warren Porter Amendment disastrous. Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong echoed that language. At the 11th hour, Mark Warner has proposed an amendment that would decide the foundational technologies that are okay and which are not in crypto. We could find ourselves with Senate deciding which type of crypto will survive government regulation. Um, and then Senator Pat Toomey, the author of the other uh, amendment, says, While I appreciate my colleagues in the White House have acknowledged their original crypto tax flaws, the Warner-Portman Amendment picks winners and losers based on the type of technology employed. That's horrible for innovation. And the author goes on, Unfortunately for the crypto community, the promise of the proof-of-stake model, the White House is apparently throwing its weight behind the Warner-Portman Amendment that could change as the 11th hour negotiations continue. And then there's, of course, a statement from the White House. Uh, I'll read the statement because it's the end of the article. The administration is pleased with the progress that has yielded a compromise sponsored by Senators Warner, Portman, and Cinema to advance the bipartisan infrastructure package and clarify the measure to reduce tax evasion in the cryptocurrency market. The administration believes this provision will strengthen tax compliance in this emerging area of finance and ensure that high-income taxpayers are contributing what they owe under the law. We are grateful to Chairman Wyden for his leadership in pushing the Senate to the address this issue. However, we believe that the alternative amendment put forward by Senators Warren, Warner, Portman, and Cinema strikes the right balance and makes an important step forward in promoting tax compliance. So my question is, what's the deal with the Warner Amendment? 
I have my thoughts too. I I, I just want to ask a question, but do you have any questions to ask about it? Uh, no, it's just well, no, not at all. Uh, I don't. It's just trying to wrap my head around the implications of. First of all, what, which one's the Warner Portman? Is that that's the proof of stake? That's the, yeah, and, the the one that kills proof of stake. That kills. Proof of it, go stake. back. It, it the Warner Portman is a proof of work. Uh huh. Okay. The widen and, one is the one that uh, is a sort of more reasonable path forward that's supported by the electronic companies. I say more reasonable, but if you're the one that pushed for regulating crypto in the bill, you'd say that's the least reasonable because it's the least restrictive regulatorily. Yeah. So the original one is, is proof of work, but then the amendment is proof of stake. The amendment destroys proof of stake. It basically picks proof of work as the winner, the Warner Amendment. Okay. Picks yeah, it's... Go ahead. So I don't know. I'm just asking a question. But we did an episode of, several months ago about China shutting down its Bitcoin mining facilities. Do you remember this episode? Uh-huh, I and do. And all the ASIC computers, that's um, system on a chip integrated circuit, um, application-specific integrated circuit, they all got shipped, and a lot of them ended up in the United States. They ended up in the United States. Where did they go? Um, a lot of them were shipped to the East Coast, to the Bay in Maryland. Maybe the, you know, New York Bay. But does Senator Warner, does Senator Warner, does he see that a lot of the Bitcoin mining that was in China has come to Virginia? And that's why he wants to protect proof of work mining? I don't know. I'm just asking a question. <laughs> it's possible, right? Nothing's impossible. It, it could be. It could be. But I, I think you were also mentioning that uh, uh, Ethereum, uh, Vitalik uh, Buterin, was saying that uh, as this grows, uh, the proof of work becomes uh, pretty much unwieldy. Uh, yes, and I think that the author uh, touches on that. So Ethereum, the second largest, is in the process of migrating from a proof of work system to a proof of stake system to help scale the system and reduce fees. Now, Bitcoin, because it doesn't have a founder that's in the picture, it stays the way it is in the white paper, you know? Mm-hmm, right. And so it'll always be a proof-of-work system. But now Bitcoin is using more energy than several countries. And for any cryptocurrency to be a globally recognized currency that's decentralized. Um, I mean, the problem with Bitcoin is it's too much energy requirements to actually use it as a currency. That's why it's become a store of value and an investment and not a currency. I mean, I think that right. considering Bitcoin a currency is, it's not a currency anymore. You know, it's more like a store of value and an investment like gold. You got to yeah, think of it. There's a ceiling to it. Yes. But the, the idea is that, uh, uh, I guess to me, the principle that comes through my head is that, well, when you create something that's successful and it begins to grow, uh, it's like a business. As the business grows, you're going to grow to a certain uh, a level to where you're going to have to change how you manage things. Mm -hmm. you change how things, it change how things works. Things, things work differently 
on very large companies and very small companies are large entities versus small entities. Yeah, and I think a great example of that is uh, Office when he starts the Michael Scott Paper Company. And he and Pam and Ryan wake up at five in the morning to do the deliveries, <laughs> and then they're in the office selling paper. And they go meet with the accountant, and the accountant says, you can't scale because your low prices are based upon this crazy overhead you have. But if you scale, you need more trucks, you need more workers, and you can't offer the same low prices. You can only <laughs> do this because you're bootstrapping it and you're doing most of it yourself. You know? Sure. And, uh, and that's not scalable. It's not scalable. Now, I mean, Bitcoin is scalable. It's global. It's worldwide. It's scalable as an investment and as a store of value. It's not really scalable as a currency. Right. And so maybe, you know, I was like, oh, did the miners go to Warner's backyard? And that's why he's proponing this <laughs> amendment. Maybe Warner and the Biden administration, because the Biden administration sided with the Warner-Portman Amendment, maybe they don't have a problem with crypto being an investment in a store of value. But they do have a problem with a foundational technology that allows crypto to be a currency. Well put. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's probably me more that's likely, a, right? It's more likely. That's a very good conclusion. Yep. Uh, it's a very good question. Yes, I'm just, I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> they say that that question is important. Mm -hmm. I've, I've heard people ask that question before. I've heard people criticize Donald Trump for doing things wrong, but what about everyone else who has ever done anything wrong in the history of the world? You know, why aren't they talking about that? Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean... What are your thoughts on this? Just sort of as an outsider, you don't trade crypto, you know? No, um, I, don't under, I don't understand it that much. And, that well. and what is Warren Buffett's rules for investing? Hold on, let me pull it up. I want to pull it up. Okay. Well, I, I, my thoughts are uh, not so much detailed, but more... Uh, altruistic uh, in approaching this at all, while you're trying to find the Warren Buffett quote on uh, on how he, how he invests. But I think your point is well taken, the difference between an investment and a currency. And um, I guess if the country is small enough, you can have it as a currency. But when it gets big, you can't have proof of work basis of a cryptocurrency. It has to be proof of stake. I'm not finding it in this article. Warren Buffett. There, I found it. I found it. Found it. Oh, good. Warren Buffett's <laughs> five rules. So I found another article where the second rule was different. But let's pull this up, shall we? Sure. Rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the one that I wanted to say. I think that Warren Buffett's advice really applies to his third rule, which is actually his second rule, because there's two rules nested in one in the first rule. Uh -huh. Let's go down. There it is. Never invest in businesses you can't understand. That's right. Risk comes from not knowing what you are doing. As a physician, this rule should make a lot of sense. Whether it's choosing a stock, a partnership investment, or another equity offering, always put your money in transparent investment choices that you can understand and fully articulate. I think, is that one of the main reasons that you're not invested in crypto? 
Yeah, I think it's, I think. Oh, I I would invest in it. I would. You would speculate. You would speculate in it. I speculate in it. I feel and like put as an whatever. As an investor, you are invested in things that you understand and that you know you're not going to lose money. You're sort you sort of follow Warren Buffett's rules. Absolutely. Um, and I'm doing perfectly fine. Yeah, you're not a speculator. Uh, now, if you were to put money into crypto, it wouldn't be 10% of your net worth. It might be a no. thousand, or maybe five thousand, or on like if you're feeling particularly speculative, ten thousand. But you also probably wouldn't look at it like you'd look at your other investments, right? Uh, you'd probably yeah, cordon I, that five thousand or ten thousand aside and say this is broad, raw speculation. This isn't. This is like going to the casino, right? Well, I have rules on that too. Gambling, you know, you don't. Never gamble more than you're willing to lose. And you say, what am I willing to lose? Okay, fine. I'll put that in crypto and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to get rich, but I don't need to get rich. Uh, what I need to do is invest in things I understand and then, and then grow. And uh, I focus on the life, not yeah. the money. Um, I always thought your rule for gambling was double your money <laughs> or lose it all. Yeah, but the money you gamble is nothing more than you're willing to lose. Rule rule one is be prepared to lose exactly what you stake. And then rule two is once you've doubled your money, walk away. Quit. Walk away. So if you bring $100 yeah. into the casino and you say, I'm not going to the ATM. This $100 is all I can lose. And I am prepared to lose the $100. You have to be prepared to lose. But if you get to $200, you just walk, walk away. away. Yeah. Take it and, and run. Go. <laughs> That's true. Because I always say quit when you're ahead. But you say, okay, I'm not ahead enough. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. When you double your money, walk away. That's my rule. Uh, and so, I don't, you know, I guess it's now it's public, David. Now you've made my rule on a podcast. It's public. It's out there. Yeah. Uh, now, now people know what I've told you and... And uh, my other, uh, my children. Now, here's my question. Let's say you put a thousand into ETH or into Bitcoin. When that goes to two thousand, do you pull it out, or do you let it ride? It depends on what you're doing. If it's speculation and gambling, you pull it out. If it's an investment, then you might want to do something with it. You might want to separate it out, take some of it more security. Some of it and speculate less of it, you know, and go back and do it again. Mm -hmm. Now, honestly, if you would have put a thousand dollars six or seven years ago into Bitcoin, you'd probably have fifty grand or a hundred grand. That's it's kind of amazing. You'd have a hundred x return on your investment. And the thing is, once you got to two grand, three grand, four grand, once you got to ten grand with your original thousand, it would be difficult not to pull five thousand out and spend it. But if you kept all of that in, the comp you're making more money on that investment than any other over the last ten years. So you use the word investment. Yes. If it's if it's gambling, you pull it out <laughs> and you put another thousand in. You and when it gets to two thousand, you pull it out. Because <laughs> you're never going to lose. You're never going to lose that much. It's like it's like if you're if you're doing if you're gambling. And I had a, had a student ask me this one time. And they go, well, how can you have a strategy for gambling the roulette wheel uh, if you'll never lose? I says, well, there is uh, if all you have is a roulette wheel. I said, 
bet a dollar. If you lose it, then bet two dollars on the next on the next roll because you're going to win your dollar back plus a dollar. If you lose it, bet four dollars. If you lose it, bet eight dollars. And if you win, then go back to a dollar. And so you're never going to lose. The problem is that the, the, the gambling houses, they don't they have caps. Yep. And that's why. And that's why. So there's ways of doing it. But on the other hand, you have to sit there and it's hard work. You have to sit there and do that for hours and hours and days mm -hmm. in order to make more money than you just get a normal job. Just go ahead and, and, and do honest work yeah. and get paid and move forward. That's that's better. Well, I mean, anyway, yeah. that, that's, that's gambling. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the proof of work almost ensures that the crypto will be a store of value and um, an investment. And I think that if something is a store of value and an investment, it's easier for the United States government to treat it as such than if it's just a currency. You know, if something's nimble, like a proof of stake system, and it doesn't require as much energy investment as a Bitcoin, and you could process transactions globally, um, without the need for sales tax, without the need for reporting, except for on the blockchain, that's a threat to governments. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Warren Amendment, the Warner Amendment, um, was favored by the Biden administration. I think that a lot of governments don't really know how to deal with a future where transfers of value are all digital and they circumvent any currencies issued by governments. And so they're trying to shut that down now. Well, I think I, it's a very good summary of it, David. And I think when you we look at this, you're, th you're looking at uh, uh, cryptocurrency in general and the Bitcoin and how it's done, uh, the mechanism and the foundation of it. You have to distinguish the difference between an investment and a currency. And when you do that, then you can see the application of this and also what the United States government is doing or not doing or trying to do uh, or may do it well or do it poorly. But I think at the beginning of this podcast, what you were saying is absolutely right. They're going to find a way. Mm -hmm. They're smart people. They're very smart people. And uh, and they ask. They don't do things unilaterally. They ask experts. And they're going to find a way to do it. And I think uh, the difference is, uh, as you say, at least this is the way I understand it, uh, the difference between an investment to get a return and a currency that a country's economy is based on. Yeah, it can circumvent your control over the economy if it's, if it's used in favor of your currency. And I, th I, th I think they see the technology is viable enough or that's a potential outcome. Maybe Especially not. If you go to proof of stake, yeah, and that's that's why they're moving in that direction, and I think uh, Vitalik Buterin saw that with Ethereum. Uh, who knows? If just scalability and usability. Um, right. So yeah, that's that's where we're at. I think that's good. I always think of too, like my one of my favorite examples of I'm thinking of Torsten Hoffman's Cryptopia. When he said, yeah, I had a media guy come up to me and says, how do I buy the Internet? I want to buy the Internet, you know, back in 1991. 
And it's like, this thing is getting out of control. It's threatening our control of the industry. How do we buy the internet? Now, the internet threatened media, and I think that the internet really is where people consume their media now. Um, it happened, you know, 30 years later, if this was 91, it's 30 years later, the guy that thought, wow, this internet's going to just really wreck my media model, where I pr produce VHS tapes and sell them to people, you know, like the internet's going to make that completely obsolete, and it has. Well, now it's threatening to make currency obsolete, but that's not a company. That's not a media company. That's the U.S. government. That's the European Central Bank. That's China issuing yuan. They all see that as a threat to their, their destiny, their sovereign destinies, because the ability to print money is a huge part of a nation's sovereignty. Um, so, yeah, that's... But my example... Of course, the first is the Torsten Hoffman example of I want to buy the Internet as a media executive. Like, how do I buy the Internet? And someone's like, I don't think you can. Are we at that point with crypto? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. China's, shut it, China's shutting down mining. China's banning trading. The United <laughs> States is saying, I, we need to regulate so that if you own a wallet, you need to be a broker. And it's like, why do I need to be a broker? It's like, because you're facilitating digital transactions. And it's like, but I'm just a guy, you know, like everyone's a broker now. And I... I think they're trying to to make it a regulatory nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's hard to finish this podcast without uh, a quoting uh, Yogi Berra. Uh, the future ain't what it used to be. The future ain't what it used to be. No, it's so different, and you can't ignore it either. You can't say, and also you can't use old ways to solve new challenges. And I think sometimes people try to do that. Well, this is the way it's always been. So let me just do this. And it solved it yesteryear. Mm -hmm. But those same techniques are not going to solve the future, the future challenges and the problems that we have. Why? Because the future just is very, very different than the past. And as Yogi Berra said, the future ain't what it used to be. Sure so ain't. we have new, we have, it sure ain't. We have new challenges. It's a new world. And we can't ignore it because it's going. It's coming. We have to think about it. We have to talk about it, and we have to learn about it. And I think that's a good place to leave off today's discussion of the infrastructure bill and its effect on crypto. Hats off to Thomas Hatmaker. Was that his name? Yeah, um, I think so. And it's Taylor Hatmaker. I, Taylor, Taylor, good, uh, good article. Yes. Good job, Taylor. And so, and it's uh, timely. And also, hats off to, to TechCrunch too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think we could leave it there. Do you want to say the outro? Yep. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. The Sons of Sequoia says, "Keep on talking, but listen more than you talk, and try to understand what the other person is saying." <laughs>